Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are talking to ultra runner extraordinaire, badass mountain athlete, <laughs> and just all around super cool, super nice guy, Jason Schlarb. Last year, Jason won one of the most prestigious, challenging, mountainous 100-mile races in the world, the Hard Rock 100. And for me, ever since becoming interested in ultra running and, you know, doing a few 50Ks, a few 50-milers, the Hard Rock 100 has fascinated me more than any race ever. (laughs) The stories that come from Hard Rock are quirky, they're insane, they're stories of grit, toughness, extreme, let me just push through all of this pain, fortitude, and quite frankly, it's just a race that's wildly entertaining. It seems like literally every single person who finishes the race comes away with an amazing story. And Jason's is no different. So quick background knowledge, just in case you're not familiar with the ultra running community and its races and its participants. The Hard Rock 100 is a looped 100 mile course that goes through the southern Colorado in the San Juan Mountains, wildly known as the most beautiful, epic wilderness in Colorado. In fact, the race actually summits a 14er, which is a 14,000-foot mountain, in the middle of the race. (laughs) So altitude-wise, it's right up there on the highest average altitude of any race, especially any 100 milers. And it draws some of the most amazing athletes. And as Jason says in the podcast, just the the people who do hard rock are interesting people. (laughs) But on top of that, it draws just these amazing athletes, including this athlete named Killian Jornet. And in 2014, Killian set the course record on hard rock and won the race. 2015, when they did the loop in the opposite direction, he also run the race. And basically the guy is just a rock star amongst the ultra running community. And so the story is almost Hollywood-esque because <laughs> Jason's the local guy from Durango and now he's going to compete against maybe the best ultra runner in the world. And I don't want to spoiler alert anything because you're going to listen to it in the podcast, but they ended up deciding to finish the race together and essentially becoming co-champions of the race, which is such a cool story that doesn't really happen in other sports. So it's pretty fascinating to me. I wanted to hear about just hard rock in general. Jason has also 
skied hard rock in the winter. He was the first, him and a couple of buddies were the first people to ski mow, which is ski mountaineering. They ski mowed the entire hard rock course, which we talk about a little bit on this podcast. But you can check out that video on the website Vimeo and type in skiing the hard rock. I'll link it on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash like a Bigfoot, just so you guys can see it <laughs> and get a little bit of an idea of what the Hard Rock 100's course looks like. Because as soon as you see it, you will instantly want to just go see this amazing event in person. <laughs> or at least make a pilgrimage down to the San Juan Mountains and go on some badass hikes. All right, let's get right into it. Like a Bigfoot podcast, number 28, Jason Schlarb. Yeah, well, I mean, not like in the middle of the mountains, but I'm, I'm, uh, um, there you got wood burning stove nice. over here and... Yeah, it's an A-frame. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Not exactly a, a proper tour, but it gives you a feeling. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, is it in Durango? Yep, it's Durango. It's it's like uh, 20 minutes outside of Durango, like 12, 13 miles. Okay. Everyone, who, who when we're moving here, everybody we talk to suggested Durango. And my cousin, in fact, just flat out told me, he's like, you need to move to Durango. <laughs> but yeah, we wanted a little bit, you know, yeah, we, we needed to be by the airport, I guess, was our excuse. But, you know, it was a compromise with the wife. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's isolated, man. It's, uh, it, and you pay a hundred bucks more probably for most domestic flights. And then like scheduling is, 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 is pretty rough if you have to fly more than like one every, maybe six weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like our family's back in Iowa. So we're like, either we're flying or they're flying. It would be a crazy thing. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. What brought you out there? Um, we, we literally picked it because, uh, it was just like the best place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. There you go. Uh, we picked it. Um, we we tried Missoula for a year. Uh, I had lived in Boulder. We had lived in Boulder. Um, uh, we went to. I went to school in Bozeman. Uh, but the San Juans and and being away from interstates, and it's sunny and warm enough, but still like you know, Silverton's 80k away and. Uh, the desert's like not far at all. I can run most of the winter if I, if I really want to, uh, I had to, I had to put some effort into it. And, and there's, there's some weeks where it's bike paths, sidewalk kind of thing, but, uh, it's, 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 it's just a little bit more snowy. I think than Boulder or, or kind of, you know, out front range North. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick about Boulder. Did you ever do the Boulder traverse where you hit all the peaks I think I don't know if that's the official name for it. It's like a twenty-mile loop kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. I I lived there for three years, and that's kind of where I got uh, really into ultra. 
Okay. What? So, yeah. I, any any advice for someone who wants to do that? Because <laughs> I was gonna do it this weekend, and then it snowed a bunch, and I was like, by the guy I was gonna run with couldn't do it, so I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I should mm-hmm. go into the cliffs by myself and with fresh snow on it, you know. <laughs> well, here here's the deal. There, I mean, they're steep, and there's there's a decent amount of vert. It's not too high altitude, but the the good news if you get some micro spikes. You can, I, I mean, after living there for three years, to actually get on the trail and and have to deal with like breaking trail or going through snow was like an honor, because <laughs> there's so many people that I mean, granted, you know, not South Boulder or or Bear, but Green and and a lot of that 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 region of those tons and tons of trails, it's it's pretty runnable, like no matter what the snow is doing, man, unless it's like really windy and blows over. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I have any special recommendations to like do well at it, but it's, it's, it's a lot of technical and it's very, very steep because it was, it was set up private, you know, through that like kind of uh, there's like a, almost like a camp there and they've got like a cafeteria, a Chautauqua. Yeah. The Chautauqua. The yeah. 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 Explain mm-hmm. the history a little bit, because I kind of know it, but. Well, it used to be private, and it used to be like kind of a destination um, kind of place to go where you stayed in these cabins, and then they had like a big group area, and it was all private. This is a long, long time ago. It's like early like, 1900s, right? Exactly. And then basically they it got donated or partly donated, partly bought. I, I, I'm not sure about that exactly how it happened, but it got handed over to the city and the reason that it kicks ass so much is that a the the city or forest service or public lands whatever does not have the money to make all those kind of trails and maintain them but secondly um they wouldn't because it'd be considered too much of an impact on the environment so it's almost kind of like east coast old school spider web like just i mean there's like there's so many miles in that small little flat iron area. You could do literally the, the Boulder basic marathon and that thing that you talked about. You could do like a 35 mile run without, I mean, you could, you can even run all the way to Netherlands. We did. I saw, I did that, um, about two months ago. We did a race from Netherlands down to El Dorado Canyon or El Dorado Springs and then over to yep. Boulder. And, of course, we added, like, mm-hmm. five extra miles because we got lost for a little bit. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That section between the canyon, El Dorado, and, and Netherlands is – I had to use – I don't know if you know this guy, but Jeff Rose, um, he, he, uh, he did a lot of stuff up there. And he, I, I took his GPX file and followed it because – it was it was so confusing the G spot place and there's like whole social trails over there but yeah dude it's that's that's a wonderland man there's no place you know I've lived in Bozeman and Missoula and now Durango there's no place that has that much vert with that much trail that close to town yeah it's insane I mean you see why Boulder is such like a destination city and why it's yeah. a little bit pricey. <laughs> we realized oh, where we are, um, we are about 25 minutes south of Boulder. So I'm like, that's totally doable. We're 10 minutes from Golden. 
Um, there's a bunch of trails mm-hmm. over there. So for, for mm-hmm. the front range, I think Arvada is really a, a good spot because then we're 15 minutes from downtown Denver too. So we're, we're loving yeah. it so far. But I will say as soon as it becomes summer, the first road trip is down to San Juan's and Durango. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yeah, man. <laughs> We've only been down once. Yeah. We went to, uh, what's the town? Um, Creedy? Creed? I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we went there and there's, yeah, Creedy. Okay. There's this geologic area. I don't know if you've been there. Um, Wheeler Geologic. It's unbelievably pretty. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, it's, I've tried to go there a few times, but if you don't like have a motorcycle or ATV, it's kind of hard to get out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it was like seriously like a 20 mile or maybe 15 mile drive up a dirt road. And then me and my wife ended up hiking it, um, stupidly Uh in one day. (laughs) This was Mm. before the ultra running, uh, and got on the way back, got caught in a lightning storm. So that wasn't, yeah. She was she was kind of panicking, and I was looking at the trees that had already been struck by lightning, you know, previously. And she's like, "We're gonna be okay, right?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> Keep walking." <laughs> yeah, 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 man. So I wanted to have you on because out of every race, like ultra race that happens during the year, the one I nerd out on the most is the Hard Rock where I'm on Twitter, I'm looking at all the pretty pictures. When I was in Virginia, I was having mountain envy at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to just, I want to hear about it from your perspective because you've ran races all over the world at this point. And this is one that's like almost literally in your backyard. And, you know, last year, obviously you had an epic, epic race and epic finish. So I kind of want to just hear about that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit. I mean, the San Juans are, you know, I, I've, I've managed to get through a lot of the Rockies from New Mexico, you know, running Jemez and, and spending time, um, you know, at Taos and, and uh, all the way up into Colorado and the Song Great Cristos to, to the Maroon Bells to I went to college undergrad in Bozeman, Montana and spent time, you know, the Bear Tooth and Glacier National Park, et cetera, et cetera. The San Juans are called the little Switzerland of America. And, uh, you know, I love dramatic. I love steep. And I love mountains that are um, not just uh, a, a single ridge, you know, like like something like the, the, the let's say, the uh, Sangre de Cristos or the, uh, you know, the, the Bridgers in Bozeman. I really like how they're they're really all over the place in the different aspects and there's different geology. And, and there's also a lot of moisture. Uh, this, this part of the state sees the most snow, um, you know, Wolf Creek pass, uh, you know, it's constantly that ski area has over a hundred inches, you know, base. Um, is, is that so, the one where it's like all black diamonds, essentially, isn't there one right by you somewhere that's all black diamonds? That is that's a smaller one, and that's probably my favorite ski area okay. in North America. It's called Silverton, and has one chairlift up to a ridge, <laughs> and it's all uh, you know you have to have a beacon shovel and also a guide, and um, that's 
that's a fantastic place. Oh, but, yeah. You know, along with all of those characteristics of the actual mountains um, and, the, and the, be- the amount of water and the big trees and lots of lakes and, and rivers and, and creeks, uh, you have some small kind of towns uh, like Telluride, like Uray, like Silverton, like Lake City, uh, Creed. I mean, even Durango can kind of be fit into that category where all of those are nowhere close to an interstate and and they kind of keep their their style their flavor their their heart their soul just a little bit better i i believe than, than a lot of the rest of the country which kind of gets vacation rental investment <laughs> property kind of stuff and it, it really is kind of a little bit more like the alps it has that feel and and they're the most fantastic mountains besides you know I mean, I have a few other favorites like like Glacier National Park and the Bear Tooths, but this is uh, it's great. It's it's not so damn cold like those <laughs> other places. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, man. So yeah. so, how many times have you ran Hard Rock? You know, here's this this kind of gets into something quirky for me. I I prefer to not run the exact race routes of, of, of races I'm going to be doing. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I did that for UTMB and I was there for three months. Um, I, you know, I obviously live here. I've been on a good part of the course because it's so awesome. And I'm now, you know, I've, now I'm two and a half years living here. So I, I've been on it quite a bit, but, uh, I'm not, like the the typical my fellow comrades that that really like to kind of go over the course, but uh, I, there's the San Juans are big enough that uh, I can play in them and around them and and not have to repeat as much. So that that's that's part of the allure of keeping me entertained for twenty, you know, twenty two, twenty four hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah, why why is that? Is it like a mental thing with you where if you know what's coming up, you I don't know, because for me, if I'm running the same route over and over and over again, I, mm-hmm. I know what's coming up. And sometimes that's not a good thing because I'm like, oh, my God, I have so much farther to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's – yeah, if, if I've done it too much, it just loses its excitement uh, yeah. factor. And that's part of the reason I left the roads is, is that excitement, entertainment, and, and fun kind of aspect and, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't do that. And then it also, yeah, like you said, that dread factor, if there's something that I really don't like, you know, like, I, I, you know, running some of those long, uh, Jeep roads and stuff, I, I don't want to like know exactly how it's going to feel. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I even remember I did a race once and it was on the route I would always run on to train. And there's like, I'm not even joking, the tiniest hill at the very end of the race like maybe five feet. And I just remember mm-hmm. thinking the whole last five minutes, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to run that hill. And I was dreading <laughs> it. And it was like a, the smallest little bump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I get it, man. But, um, another special thing about hard rock is, is that, uh, unlike, I, I, I don't really know another race is particular, a hundred mile race that changes directions. Um, each year and man when it's a single loop when there's so many factors with snow and and, and creek crossing and weather and, and darkness and light you know 
each direction is truly a, a completely different kind of adventure. And so, uh, you know, I haven't run it in the other direction, but I did ski it in uh, the other direction. Oh, you did? Uh, that running it this year. And so, so I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And so I, I get away from that, you know, oh my God, you know, I remember this last year, this is where I blew up or whatever. That, that doesn't happen because you're going a different, you have to wait a couple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I just, I literally actually just watched the skiing, the hard rock, um, a few hours ago with my daughter and she's like, I'm going to ski it too. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but so was that before you even ran the race? That is correct. I I did it in March of, uh, you know, almost exactly just a short of a year ago with, uh, two other guys and, you know the story. It's uh, it was it was just an idea that I had. Um, you know, I do video production, and we've done some really cool films in South America, in New Zealand, in um, Patagonia. Yeah, I said Patagonia, but uh, we decided, okay, we're gonna embrace winter. We're gonna do something crazy, and, and this has never been done before. And um, the the two guys that I brought with me, or 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 enticed or encouraged to come with me. Um, they're both in Italy right now at the world championships at, for ski mountaineering. So these guys are killer, amazing superstars. And so we got a dream team together and man, we really, really, really got lucky to, to get it done. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I mean, I know that it's kind of funny cause the start of it, you guys got lost like in the first two miles or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, what was the challenges you overcame well you know it's just it's just that on skis in winter with that kind of cold um there is no trail um you know we're making our own way and uh, you're just carrying a lot more you know we had to carry a rope we had to carry crampons we had to carry ice axe we had to carry um you know a big down coat and you know nobody literally nobody's out there i mean we saw some people around telluride and ure and and, and ofer but i mean (laughs) yeah it was uh it was risky it was tough and it was it was uh it was draining it was it was really you know cold and uh it it took literally twice as long each day as, as i thought that we could do it um and uh uh I, I don't I don't want to do it again really. <laughs> do you get intimidated at all when you're cuz I mean in the in the movie you like it's literally like you said there's no one around but not only that but you're at the top of these mountain peaks in the winter miles from anybody. Do you get intimidated by that or are you kind of used to it at at this point of being like a mountain athlete? Well, it's just, it's just so much different during summer, during winter, you know? Um, and so when you, I mean, if, if, if you just fell and broke the ski, you know, there's, I mean, it literally could be, I'd have to, you know, spend a day and a half or something limping around to get out. Um, or, you know, if I hurt myself in a bad way, you know, there's the danger of, you know, dying because of, uh, you know, exposure because we weren't, we couldn't carry tents and and successfully do the trip. So it it really is, you know, five times more intense. And, and, you know, and I'm not a super 
uh, mountaineer kind of guy that I've, that I've done, you know, I've done some, some entry level kind of stuff, you know, I've got up to 20,000 feet and, and, and done things like that in South America. But as far as like, you know, doing crazy expedition kind of stuff, you know, yeah. I, I don't have tons and tons of experience. So I, I was nervous, but, um, you know, we were so tired and pushing so hard. <laughs> there wasn't much room for, for worrying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the other guys you were with, did they, I mean, did you guys take precautions versus against like avalanches? And I mean, cause that's always kind of a worry that you hear about out here. It's that is the single most, um, danger issue and, preventative like thing for somebody to, to repeat this because the San Juans, I don't want to get too long into this, but the San Juans are specifically in Colorado, one of the most avalanche prone And Colorado is a fairly dangerous avalanche, uh, uh, mountain region. That's, that's called, that's obviously being very generalizing, but, uh, the San Juans in particular are really, really dangerous. And, uh, the guy that I'm one of the guys I'm with that I, that I told you about, his name's Scott Simmons. You know, uh, he's lived here 20 years, and he's been on the the U.S. national team three times. He skis, he he skis very safe, um, and he is really really knowledgeable. Um, and uh, we have all the safety equipment with us. We've we've all done trainings, um, and so we had to. You know, we originally wanted to try to do it in January because I wanted to bring another guy, but it was, you know, it's just that's absolutely impossible, literally. I, I think almost any year because the days are so short and the snow is so dry and light and you had to break trail so much where we got a magic window of like a, almost two weeks before where it didn't snow. It was okay. super warm and everything consolidated, A, so it's safe. And then B, so that we can move quickly, because if it had snowed eight inches, let's say, I, I, I know that we couldn't have done it. Yeah. So that to 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 expect those factors to come in, and then if we waited any longer in in April or let's say you know God forbid May, uh, we would be just walking too much because the southern exposures would be would be barren and, and we'd be just scrambling down carrying our skis and it would it would kind of suck and it wouldn't be really skiing yeah so we we, we just uh a i don't think there's too many groups of people that could do it for the endurance and and the athleticism of, of the the fact uh, of the feet but secondly because the snow won't be that fast or um have that much um coverage or the avalanche danger so it's it's just it's wow. a real tall order yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, did you expect to get that lucky or were you just like, this is great? Or did you have the plan to go during that state, that exact time? Or did you see the window and you're like, called him up like, Hey, we got to go. We were planning. We had a couple week window for March. Okay. Um, and, and it worked out, but, uh, I could tell you Scott Simmons, the, the guy that's super knowledgeable, and uh, Noah Howe, the guy that did the video stuff from Salt Lake City, who spent his whole life and his career is basically skiing. He, they both gave about 15 to 20% chance to, to have it done. And they kind of said, oh, yeah, Shlarb, you know, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's, let's do this project. Both of them, literally. Yeah. 
and uh, they, they they didn't kind of tell me how how, how unrealistic it was. <laughs> so we we, yeah, I can't I can't say it enough. We got lucky, man. Yeah, yeah. How much did it suck taking your skis off, putting your shoes on, then taking your shoes off, putting your skis on, and like <laughs> going back and forth, back and forth? Or was it a nice break? We, it could have been a nice break, right? We were doing 15-hour days, man. And uh, when we got the opportunity to walk with our shoes, it was it was real nice. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you it, it wouldn't have been real nice on high-altitude, steep, trailless mud. We did it where we, the coverage was good enough that we could get down, you know, like Camp Bird Road, for instance, or... Um, uh, coming down into uh, Ure through Bear Creek, you know, the last couple of miles we were able to walk. Um, and, and then over there by Handy's on, on the road, uh, we got a walk as well coming out from Sherman. Uh, those were real nice. Those were kind of uh, boost to the mental uh, yeah. side of things because we, we all of us had feet that were getting destroyed. And, you know, one of, one of the guys who's also a, a pro runner, uh, uh, Paul Hamilton, uh, you know, two of the nights he was he was ready to quit. So I mean, <laughs> it was it was it was crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> like destroyed feet is pretty much a common theme on this podcast. So uh, <laughs> you're in good company. Um, <laughs> I guess moving into the Hard Rock race last summer, did doing it in the winter did that like kind of boost you mentally where you're like hey this isn't too bad i'm not freezing my butt off at this point um i i can say that i was really looking forward to me able to run yeah you know at, at, you know that 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 thing, let's say the month afterwards april may i was like oh it's so nice to just be kind of done with ski mountaineering. I I I, I love it, but uh, to take that pack off and all the equipment and the dangers of things breaking and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I I can just I can just power hike and jog. Oh that that's yeah. that's great. <laughs> the only equipment you have to worry about is your shoes, and you're like, this isn't. Yeah. I can do this. I can handle this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what makes running beautiful. That's awesome. So bef- I guess before we talk about the race. Can you kind of just describe Hard Rock and like how is it different from other hundred milers? Well, I it's it's um, the actual terrain. There's I mean there's some fifty k's and hundred k's. You know there's Never Summer in Colorado. There's you know uh, Tushers in in Utah, and you know there's some stuff in Idaho that has some amazing wilderness, but for, for a full 100-miler um, and the variety of just all the different um, mountains and going to a 14er and going through actual towns, um, there, there's, there's nothing quite like that. And, yeah, I can't think of another 100-miler that goes into some of the beautiful towns that, that, uh, that uh, Hard Rock does. But then also the, the second part, that's that's really special is it's uh you know good or bad hate it or love it or both it's it's really small um it it doesn't it doesn't give a shit about how good you are you know i you know you know when i you know i, I feel a little bit awkward saying this but 
I can go to most races and just show up. Yeah. Um, you know, even with lotteries and stuff, and that's how UTMB is. That's how uh, a lot of different races are. Um, and but but Hard Rock is not like that. And so it keeps it really small, and it keeps it a real special privilege, and it uh, it, it kind of gives it that mystique. Um, and then you add that to the fact that it it literally is you know, one of maybe three or four in the world that are that prestigiously badass for mountainous, you know, hundreds, uh, you, you've got something special. And then the town it takes place in is so small and quirky and neat. And the fact that, uh, so many of the, the participants and the, the crew and the, and the, the followers come out, you know, way before and, and, and stay us several days after it's, uh, it's it's like a, almost like a summer camp kind of thing, and it's 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 a real it's a real neat thing. And I had not done that, you know. I, I had volunteered um, two different years, but I didn't um, quite understand, and I didn't take the time. And I, maybe I was a little bit uh, you know too impatient, uh, and I, I I I didn't realize how fun it would be to actually be there, like you know, from Tuesday until Sunday, and uh, to to get really absorb it all and, and, and hang out with the people before and after. And now that I have, uh, you kind of forced into it. Um, you know, it's kind of changed my perspective on, on, on the race. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, from my perspective, I've, I haven't been there yet and I really want to go this summer. In fact, tonight with my wife, I'm like, we're that weekend we're going just to like watch because it's awesome and it's amazing. But mm-hmm. I remember, um, in 2014, I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and I was just sitting by my computer all day reading the stories as they go past. And there were mm-hmm. some of the craziest stories you would ever hear of any race. Like third place, mm-hmm. him and his pacer got hit by lightning at one point. Um, one of the guys, like I guess right when they got to the top of Handy's Peak, which is a 14er in the middle of a 100-mile mm-hmm. race. <laughs> and once they got up there... Uh, it was like raining or something crazy. And so he ran back down and just jumped in some random people's tent. You know, it's just the stories were so, like you said, so quirky and bizarre. And then you get the stories of toughness and like just badassness. Mm-hmm. And oh man, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a really interesting event to me. Yeah. And it, and it, it just, participants are really neat <laughs> they're really kind of cool crazy special kind of people they're they're just they just usually have a lot of uh let's just call it character <laughs> and and that that makes it special and you know what one of the the things that i also learned last year after the race is i went out literally two days or three days after and i, I headed to europe and and uh hung out in the dolomites and uh uh, went and tried to attempt uh, with a failure, uh, miserable failure, tried to do UTMB. And, you know, that whole week leading up to UTMB was, in a way, the absolute opposite experience. It was uh, just loud and intense and commercialized and press conference and. Uh, dramatic music and uh, I mean it's beautiful and it's amazing and I, I love that level of competition and that kind of excitement for it and I, I think that that's something I like but having done it already 
hard rock that year and then having that experience of UTMB and, and, and having a horrible day yeah. kind of that made it even that much worse. But it's, it, it was just, it just felt like over the top and exhausting and dirty and like not personal. And, and so, you know, I, I see Zach um, Miller debating, uh, uh, you know, UTMB and Hard Rock, and the fact that he got a spot, and I, 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 I've almost a few times commented on his kind. Of, hey, I want to know what you guys think about this, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't. It come across as being like you're dumb if you don't go or something, yeah. but you know, it, it's to each their own, you know. And I want to go back to UTMB, but uh, you know, if you've got that opportunity like he does or like I do. Uh, you, you just can't let that go because it's it's such a special one. And they're so close together, is what you're saying. They're only like a couple weeks apart. Well, it, it's that not that close. Um, you know, it's uh, six weeks last year. Okay. And then this year, it's seven weeks. And uh, man, I, I I'm really tempted. I think I think it's possible, but everything has to be just right. And and they kind of into that story is that uh, some of that hype and, ex- and, and uh, excitement and, and some of the obligations from sponsors that I had for UTMB because it's it's like a marathon expo times five for a whole week. It's like the is, Super Bowl uh, of 100 milers, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And it has like this outdoor, it's called the salon. And, you know, I had to do some interviews and sign some posters from different races and, and all that. And then hanging out with so many different people, I got exhausted and I drank a little <laughs> bit too much wine. And I think I was close to being able to do it, but I think that week leading up to it and the kind of UTMB spirit, let's call it, <laughs> um, kind of stopped that chance a little bit. Maybe it was more being tired from UTMB than I want to ex- admit, but I, I still think that a lot of it was because of that uh, – inability to chill out the week before well there's like thousands of people there and thousands like if you look it up on yeah racing plus like just spectating which is crazy because most ultras that you go to (laughs) you'll finish and there's like 10 people maybe 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 like hard rock probably a few more but you know everyone's just kind of hanging out eating barbecue uh Mm -hmm. versus like you know being there to like be spectators so yeah man yeah. so you you went to UCMB before though right yeah i went um 2014 and i was a fourth place guy behind i think francois won and i think he set the course record and and then two solomon guys iker carrera and uh tofu Keston something okay <laughs> <laughs> they're really good i should know his last name yeah but, uh, yeah, I, I was really happy. It was it was a break breakthrough race. Um, That's but, huge, uh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so last year running Hard Rock, obviously the big story was you and Killian Jornet finished together uh, at the end. Can you kind of give us like a brief rundown of that? Yeah, yeah. The brief, the cliff notes are that you know I was, um, you know Xavier. Sevenard was in the race. He's won UTMB, TDS, OCC, CCC. He, he's amazing. A lot of Americans don't know know about him enough, but uh, he was in the race. Um, he's also an Olympic caliber Nordic skier before he, he got into ultra. But the three of us were up front and running together quite a bit 
um, all the way into to going into year A, um, and then where I, f- I fell back. At that point, I was loving running with those guys. I was really happy to feel comfortable, um, and the exhilaration of of running with, you know, one absolute you know rock star, dream to meet kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, two, you know, big 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 names in the world. Um, so that that was that was how it felt. That was how it was. I got a little too hot. Was running a little bit too fast and slowed down. Got ten minutes behind those guys. And then on the way up to Handy's, I caught back up to Xavier, and he was. I thought he wouldn't finish the race, but uh, he did turn it around and finish, you know, an hour behind uh, Killian and I. But uh, at Handy's, basically, I I kind of caught uh, Killian. Um, he waited maybe like fifteen seconds or something like that. Okay. Um, right at sunset there, and when I was getting close to him i was really pumped i wanted to pass him i wanted to <laughs> to you know I was, I was in competition mode and yeah. you know i was just having like okay this is one of my best days this, this is my backyard i'm ready for this this is this is it but i didn't want him to uh wait for me i did not want him to like have the or, or run together i wanted to pass him because um killian is such a a, a, a phenomenal mountain athlete that uh he usually doesn't have competition and he also uh he doesn't view competition or these races like he used to as much and then he's just kind of like doing it because he loves it and he's won everything and he's just kind of he does a couple races a year now and focuses on everest yeah that's what he was doing right he was like bleeding up to try to set the fastest time on everest Correct. And he'd done one other race, uh, Zagama or something, and, and won that in two minutes off his own course record or something. But anyways, he uh, he sometimes entertains himself with other runners and will slow down. When he when he ran one UTMB, he, he actually like stopped at a number of climbs and waited for the other guys to catch up. And I was like, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, 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 I would like uh, – you know, I, I'm absolutely star struck by you, but I, I, I don't want to, to be that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was kind of, was kind of grumpy and, and didn't even like really talk that much for the first like hour after we were running together. But then all of a sudden I found out they were pretty close to course record pace. And then I started to realize uh, almost kind of I disbelieved at that time, but uh, that, that he was kind of pushing as, as pretty much as hard as he could. And, you know, he wasn't like just having a great time, you know, t- talking it up with me and stuff. And, and uh, you know, he stayed with me for, or we stayed together for so, so long. Uh, then I said, I kind of got over that uh, entertainment. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. And uh, I started to believe maybe that wasn't the case. And, we pushed and pushed and pushed. We'd stop at the aid station. He would wait for me. I'd wait for him. You know, he'd be eating some pancakes or something. We were spending a lot more time in the aid stations than normal because there's nobody close to us, and we were each other's competition, so yeah. we could <laughs> indulge a little bit. That's, that's kind of his style anyways, but definitely not my style. I was eating bacon and pancakes and stuff <laughs> in aid stations. But anyways, we got uh, we started to get late into the the night early into the morning and started thinking, okay, I, I, I think we're going to probably finish together. That, that's, that's how I started to feel. 
And but like it, it was too early, or I was kind of bashful to be like, "Hey, are we going to do this?" Because anything could happen. And uh, we got to the last aid station, and uh, you know, at Cunningham, with about ten miles to go or something like that. And we both left the aid station together. And he looks over at me and says, "Hey, you can go ahead." And I, you know, in disbelief, I was like, "Oh no, no, no! You go ahead. <laughs> you can win. You are Killian." And at that point, uh, he said, I don't see any reason for us to be, you know, several minutes apart after spending the entire night together, uh, you know, running and helping each other and pushing as hard as we could. Uh, let's finish together. And uh, I said, it sounds good to me, man. It, 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 it wasn't even like a thought. It was, it was so emotionally it kind of had done the task together. And so, like, tired and broken down, and, and like pushing ourselves, that it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was truly that bromance kind of emotional <laughs> thing. It was, it, I, I, I don't, it was, it was a bit of a love affair. I don't know. It, we we finished <laughs> together. You know, we I wanted to go under Kyle's Skaggs his his old uh, record, and he's like, yes, we got to do that. And then I was like, oh, we can get under twenty three hours. And he's like, we must. And so we were running like seven pace for, and, and maybe a little faster, you know, at, at mile ninety five. And <laughs> Emily, Emily, his his girlfriend, caught back up to ran from town back towards us and was like, "Are you guys racing? You're running so fast, you know what's going on?" And we're like, "No, no, we just want to go under twenty three. So <laughs> that, that's how it finished. And yeah, I, I I hope I can be in that good of shape next year or this year it's such a cool story man because like what other sporting event do you hear that happening where two two competitors are just like hey gentlemen's agreement let's just finish this thing and enjoy enjoy pushing ourselves to our limit together yeah super cool man it's really unlikely to be at that that kind of symmetry for for such a mountainous long endurance kind of event it's just that's not very likely this there's almost always going to be somebody that's better you know feeling better or feeling worse and, and and you just you know when you're when you're out there for 24 hours you know you're not going to be the same but we magically were so well when cool. you're when you're pushing at like a seven minute pace at mile 95 do you go mindless mode or do you just like because i gotta imagine you're in a lot of pain it's it's weird though man at, at for after that long and it was slightly downhill and you just you just you're just in a, a magic kind of weird non-regular world kind of situation because it, it didn't it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like just hating it and crying. It was actually kind of just pushing, and I got this, and just just running on emotion. Running on emotion is, is how I would describe it. You know, 15 miles before, you know, it did not feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with the end in sight, it gives you that little extra boost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool, man. Can I – so I have a 50-mile race coming up in March. So can I pick your brain real quick about some training stuff or – yeah, let's do it. All right, cool, man. Um, so, I don't know. Have you have you done any races in the desert before? You know, 
April of last year, I went to Morocco and did a six-day stage race across the desert. Like, All right. <laughs> Pretty experience, yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was quite an experience. And, you know, I was also I was deployed to Iraq, and I ran some 120-mile weeks out there in the, in the sand and heat. So I... And then I just got back from Costa Rica last week doing a six-day stage race out there. That's not the desert, but the heat. So if it, if it relates to that, I got a little bit of experience. Okay. I don't know. I'm not worried too much about the heat. So it's in Monument Valley. Um, I don't know if you know where that's at. It's like northern Arizona, southern Utah. Um, and it's in March. So I'm not super worried about heat or I don't think that should be a problem. But how do you, how do you deal with the sand and... Because it sucks running on sand. <laughs> I think two things you can do is is uh, honestly go run in the snow a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That that really gets that slip factor, and those muscles, those ancillary muscles, and even your joints and your ligaments. You know, back when I would get right into the winter and as a road runner, I'd hit the you know snow and stuff, and that little bit of a slip would would give me a little classic runner knee kind of tendonitis on the patella tendon um just getting kind of used to that a little bit and then running in that yeah running in snow i think is, is a great way to do that and then the second part is is to do a little little plyometric core a little bit extra because you know you're moving around like that and especially if it's off camber kind of sand kind of stuff you really want to have a strong strong core and strong ancillary muscles those stabilizer muscles you want to have those dialed pretty good and have your kind of uh posture real strong that that'll because that's that's where you can get in trouble in the sand and get some sore backs and knees and hips that kind of stuff okay cool what about do you do wear any like gaiters or anything to keep the sand out of your shoes yeah i'm not i'm not super familiar with that race but uh, I can tell you this isn't a sales pitch or anything because there's <laughs> other shoes that have this. But Ultra has um, the little gaiters on them. And they've got, like, you know, the front, there's a hook, and then there's some Velcro stuff that's put on all their trail shoes. And it's super light. And, you know, at first I, I thought it was like an old-school California kind of thing back in the pre-2010. I, I always kind of, like, shook my head. That's ridiculous. But uh, I wore them at Hard Rock. I wore them in costa rica um they keep they keep stuff out of your shoes man and they're, they're not much more weight at all so uh you you can get them for all kinds of different shoes too but uh they, i think they're worth it man okay cool um so when you're training how much how many days a week are you running versus like do you take a rest day or are you doing cross training are you doing yoga strength training like how does your training week look like um well during the winter you know i i ski for four-ish days a week okay um and then do work on speed work uh which i i don't do in season too terribly much at all um but when it comes to the summertime um i do a lot of aerobic running uh you know i, I kind of almost feel guilty being on Strava because all the California boys and, and even East coast people 
um, a you know I'm way high high high. Yeah, man, know. and they're not going straight up mountains. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do some stuff that that's kind of rolly. That's you know a thousand feet and you know let's say eight to ten miles or something. That, that you know that'll be a recovery day, maybe a little bit more vert. But I run that at like ten pace, like you know. When I hang out with some some dudes that are really good runners here in Durango, I oftentimes just I have to run a lot faster for the their easy day, my easy day. Um, and I, I'm I'm getting to your question here. I swear, <laughs> by by running aerobically and really slow, um, I'm able to to kind of uh, avoid some of the the kind of problems and some of the stresses both uh, adrenal muscular um and um and, and and even mental to to, to the point where I, I don't really take too many off days um uh, the, i, I kind of save off days for you know when when those things that everybody has happens happen like uh you know felix's school got canceled today so i i was i wasn't able to run yeah yeah um uh, or, or you know you get sick or or uh, you have to travel um, and I kind of save it for, for that. But uh, I, I do a lot of aerobic running. I'm also, you know, 38 years old. I've been running since uh, college. So I, I know how hard to push and how hard not to push and uh, kind of listen to the, to the body quite a bit. And I've got my routines, my plyometric, my, my special active dynamic stretches. And, and I know where all my special um, hot spots are going to be and, and how to sense them and, and know that they're going to come so it's taken a long time um, but I'm, I'm able to not really have to do too much alternative training and not too many days off and if I do alternative training I do uh, a, an elliptical bike thing called an elliptico okay oh is that the thing that's like in a, a no way I saw one for the first time last weekend it's like an yeah. elliptical but it goes down the street that's crazy that's right man. <laughs> Yeah, you get weird looks. <laughs> oh, I get all kinds of weird looks, but it it is it is you know almost no impact. It's in the running, uh, you know, kind of general, you know, you know, it's much better than biking. Yeah, it's more running specific than than a, than a bike. But and you don't have to go to the nasty gym, you oh, know. I, it, I so. <laughs> Yeah, and you, you can kind of get your heart rate really low with that, like 120, 115, which you can't really do running, or most people can't do running. And, uh, you know, if you're kind of getting a little bit sick or getting over an injury, and most of my injuries tend to be impact or, you know, rather it's, uh, it, you know, the elliptic go or elliptical runner really uh, usually can be done for me when I'm slightly injured. Okay, cool. Can I talk about injuries for a second? Let's do it. How do you... Here's my problem, is I always think, like, I have a twinge, you know? Is that even a word? I don't even know if that's a word. But I'm like, oh, I got a twinge in my knee. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not injured, though. <laughs> so I'll just... Yeah. How do you handle those situations? Um, yeah, very carefully, man, because there's something going on. Um, I, I've got a trusted bodywork man his name is marcus uh, marcus hilly and he lives in boulder actually okay. so if you oh, I'm gonna write this that guy down. also you should um and he he's a, he's a runner himself um the only thing is he's so good 
Uh, I met him when he was at massage school, um, but he actually went to Rio with with Emma. So he's kind of hard to get. <laughs> so, but uh, he's, he's he's busy. But he um, this guy this guy knows the running body, and he knows so much, and and he knows my body, and I've actually gone to him for a long time. And so when something, uh, I think one of the popular ways to call it niggle, uh, that's, that's another <laughs> term people call it. But when something kind of hurts, but you can run through it, yeah, is, is finding out from somebody that's really good with body work, PT. Um, you know, I, I kind of hesitate for doctors because they're, I, I have usually found the solutions not through doctors, but through, through those kind of specialists. Um, but basically kind of finding out what, the problem and then secondly it's, it's oftentimes not what actually is niggling you it's something that's causing that you know like for instance you know my my, my achilles is hurting well it's actually because you know your your calf's tight your t- calf's tight is oh, because okay. you're imbalanced you know in your hips and so like i, I think that that's really really important you know, too many people get too specific into okay if i just ice that muscle my stretch that muscle it's going to go away but it almost always is not just that muscle (laughs) yeah yeah okay all right that that helps because i mean you're absolutely right and here's my thing is like if my achilles hurts and then a few weeks later my knee hurts i'm like i know that hurts because i didn't do anything about my achilles i'm like why why do i do this (laughs) yeah but uh okay I don't think I don't think you should run, or I wouldn't suggest for a general for trail or, or people running a lot to run through without taking some serious action. Yeah. Because that almost always, except for maybe when you're like 18 or 22, you know, maybe you can get away with it then. But uh, if you don't take action, you know, it's gonna I'd say almost 80 percent of the time bite you somehow right. later. Or, or right away. So it, the only time I can rationalize it is, okay, Marcus told me I could run through this as long as I do this active uh, stretches, these, uh, you know, concentric exercises, and I roll out with, a, yeah. you know, a, a base in this area. And then, then it, you know, you, it makes sense to keep going. And, and as long as it doesn't get worse, or you know it gets better than than you go through go okay. for it. Cool, because you're trying to put your body kind of like back in balance at that point by doing all those extra yeah. things. But then are yeah. you kind of like, oh, this sucks. I got to do extra stuff now. <laughs> yeah, but you got to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's tough. I, I could do a lot more myself, man. I'm no uh, Max King. Max King's really good at all the special stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he does. He's strong. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I gotta imagine. Well, you just develop the strength naturally by running up all these hills. I'm assuming. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe like strength training is not something like you don't go to the gym and like pump iron or anything, do you? Um, no. But it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about doing some CrossFit with Dakota Jones, but uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> I, during the winter, late winter, and then into the spring, I try to do a cycle where I do, because um, that's that's the time to do it because you, your mountain running kind of dynamic kind of uh, mountain running body or whatever is not that strong. So I, I 
if any time, I think that that's the best time is to get your body strong in the early season and so that it doesn't, uh, you don't get injured, you don't get, your body doesn't get shocked and you don't have the overuse or, or strains as much. And, and jumping around on boxes and doing lunges and squats and, um, you know, a whole bunch of uh, plank and things like that. But no, I'm not, you know, doing, um, uh, what's it called? Bench pressing and, and <laughs> uh, weight, you know, clings or anything. But not, not that those things aren't helpful, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can get it done in 10 minutes after a run three times a week, okay. literally. Nice. I, I, I think, um, you know, if, if you're really out of shape and, and haven't done, you know, ultras or mountain running, then, then you might need more. But for those of us who, who have kind of done it a little bit before, I, I think that late winter, early spring, body weight, kind of some kind of program, I think it's, it's important, man. Okay, cool. So I was, I was talking to my cousin Susan, who was the person that connected us. Um, she did physical therapy for you in Iceland, which yes. I was going to go to that race. I had plans on going, um, but better surprise is we had a baby. So <laughs> at the same time. Um, that, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so she talked about how she breaks down a race into categories or not categories but like miles one through whatever i'm going to be focused on this and then the next section i'm going to be focused on something different do you do that during especially the really long ones like 100 milers mm. you know i i do some mental gymnastics and and kind of prepare myself but um i think i think that's a great strategy and i i I think Susan kind of mentioned that to me when we, she, she did some body work with me, like you said. Um, but for me, um, I prepare some mantras. Um, and then I also, the second tier of, of mental stuff is, is I prepare some kind of countermeasures to classic mental pitfalls and, and the mental pitfalls are oftentimes, um, worrying about, uh, one of them being, okay, I've got these goals and these expectations and uh, what happens when you're, you're kind of slipping away from them or, or, you know, you're slowing down or you're not meeting them, you know, and, and preparing yourself to what you're going to think, what you're going to say and how you're going to react and act to those. And, uh, you know, people around you, let's say I wanted to get fifth, you know, and, and I start, to, I'm in seventh or it just got passed by, you know, fourth place. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm going to keep going downhill. Uh, there's, there's some things that you can do and like have some mental, mental tools to, 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 to be positive and to, to be happy and to, to keep strong because ultra is so much about keeping that headspace positive, clean, optimistic, and, uh, full of faith, you know, because you're going to have downs and ups, you know, ups and downs, and uh, to to make it so that you you have those special tools is 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 huge. You know, like I, I use laughing. Like I'll laugh out loud when I start getting pissed off or, or <laughs> upset or or whatever. I, you know, and I'm in the worst moment. I'll force myself to laugh out loud, um, smiling. You know, same kind of thing. Um, or, or or throw in some of those mantras or have a particular. You know, like your your, your kid. You know, like, okay, 
I'm doing this for, for Felix. Felix, uh, could see Felix running with me and how proud he would be that I'm, you know, carrying on and I'm doing my absolute best. So, um, you know, those kind of things, those are, you know, when I was in Costa Rica, I had a horrible day. Um, I was, was really not prepared for long running and, you know, I see these huge butterflies and I'm like, Oh, that butterflies, Felix, you know, this flower is my mom and I'm, you know, she's here with me and it sounds really ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> a grown man or but but like when you're in that terrible like you're breaking down you can die you know to have those kind of things it, it keeps you it, it it can be it has been the difference that's awesome man i'm me. i'm totally gonna steal that steal some of those ideas because uh, <laughs> you know you go into an altar and you're like i know there's gonna be parts that i'm just destroyed and like you said you have to mm-hmm. you have to fight the negativity and the you know, mm-hmm. the little voice in your head that's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can have those mantras. I, I didn't say any, but like one that I'll use is like, it's, it's not, it doesn't even rhyme. It's not even great or anything, but it's like <laughs> nobody else in this race matters at all but me. Yeah. You know, what I'm doing, when, you know, in my moments, you know, I'm doing my absolute best and nobody else matters. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's, you know, other ones like I'm, you know, in the flow with little to go, you know, like <laughs> when I'm in pain, I drive like a train and, and those, those, <laughs> those college and road running, but to, to get those in there distracts you instead of focusing in on the pain yeah. or that, uh, you know, you're hurting. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I better, I better let you go, but I got one more question. Um, my wife and I were talking today and she was she was wondering like after you run 100 miles like okay this is a kind of a weird question now that i think about it you know when you're you know when you're like rollerblading and you rollerblade for a while and then you take the rollerblades off and you're like well i still feel like i'm rollerblading okay so yeah. after you run 100 miles <laughs> and you're finally done does it take a little bit of time for you to kind of process the fact that you aren't running anymore. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it totally does. It totally does because, I mean, you're in a physical and mental just extreme, you know, and you're, you're on this, this, let's call it the train. You're on this train of just, just endurance and, and your body is maxed out and you just – you just, you know, everything that's in you is, is focused on that. And so I find that like when I've, even in a 50 mile or something like that, um, or even a long run, you know, during, you know, a 50 K long run or 20 something mile long run when I'm done, it's just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Come back to reality a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and even with the, the physical part of it too, is I oftentimes will like, like mentally be so dead after, right after a race where, you know, you see people that are like kind of almost blabbering, like just like, you know, because, (laughs) but like five minutes before, you know, he's probably like so clear and, and like punctual about like what he's doing. I'm, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. But as soon as you're, you're done, that body does some, some funky stuff. And I find also that, all of that stimulants, all, all of those like things in your body pushing you to go, 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 go. When I'm done, I might not be able to move and I'm completely wasted, but like 
I am just like amped still. <laughs> I can't sleep. Yeah. Um, I can't. I, I I almost never can take a nap after an ultra because of all those things, all of those you know hormones and things that are just in my system. It's just uh, it's just overwhelming, and and then mentally too, I've been just you know running for my life almost. Yeah. You know, so like my brain doesn't just like say, oh, okay, let's have a beer. You know, <laughs> I'll have a beer, but that's not really how I feel almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, Jason, it's been a pleasure, amazing talking to you. Um, thank you for sharing all your wisdom. <laughs> uh, I- yeah, good luck. You're good luck training for Hard Rock this year. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be there. Hopefully, if I'll convince them, but we'll be there cheering you on. So I hope so, man. It'll be great to meet you. Yeah, dude, for sure. All right, thanks again to Jason for joining me on the podcast and really just dropping amazing knowledge and entertaining me with stories. <laughs> And just being just being a really cool guy. So I had a great time talking with him. Um, I hope you guys really took something away from it. I know for me, selfishly, <laughs> I took a lot away from uh, some of his training advice. And I have 26 more days until the Monument Valley 50 miler, which if you want to hear two guys just yammer on about that, race for a whole entire podcast check out episode number 25 with brady manriquez which brady i know you're listening (laughs) i know you're listening to this right now so take like go back and re-listen to jason talking and take a billion notes because the dude is just incredible so thanks again jason Definitely can't wait to see how Hard Rock shakes out for you this year and to hear what amazing stories you're going to come away with. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can check out the rest of our archives at likeabigfoot.com. You can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, I have all the social media stuff. I have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, but I'm going to be honest, guys. I like legitimately only have enough energy and I was going to say space in my mind, (laughs) but I only have enough thoughts and time to put into one social media outlet. So the main place you can find us is facebook.com slash like a bigfoot um you can join the community there we post videos of upcoming guests just kind of share inspiration training ideas badassery all that fun stuff so that's the main one i'm also on instagram also on twitter but i don't do those as much if anyone wants to do those for me email me (laughs) that'd be great like a bigfoot at gmail.com because I don't want to do them. Um, all right, man. Uh, I think that's the podcast for the night. It's 10 p.m. in the Ward household. And I don't know if I'm ashamed to admit this is like an hour and a half past my usual bedtime, mostly due to the fact that 
the only time I can really get a good workout in is four in the morning. <laughs> so whether or not I wake up at four in the tomorrow morning, that's a story for another day. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.